0: Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone. My name is Cody Westbrook, and I'm the preacher for the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. And you're listening to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ. As we consider the Bibles that we hold in our hands this morning, I wonder how often do you think about the makeup of your Bible? Do you realize that the Bible is composed of 66 individual books? And these 66 individual books were written by approximately 40 different authors, and they were written in three different original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And this took place on three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. And it all happened over a time period of about 1,500 years. Now think about that just for a moment. 66 books written by approximately 40 different authors in three languages on three different continents over 1,500 years. It's really incredible when you think about it, especially when you take into consideration the fact that That in every one of these 66 books, there are, number one, no contradictions. And number two, there are no factual inaccuracies or errors. We're holding within our hands what is the Word of God. We're holding in our hands the book, the Bible, which the Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16 and 17, that every word of this book was inspired of God, and then in Second Peter chapter one verse twenty and twenty one, the Scripture says that no Scripture is a, a, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. That means none of the words in these sixty six books by forty different authors in three different languages on three continents over a time period of fifteen hundred years. None of these words originated in any of those authors, those human authors' minds. But rather, he says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The reason why we can have the Bible, which is composed of 66 books written by 40 men in three languages on three continents over a time span of 1,500 years, and there be no contradictions and there be no errors or inaccuracies, is because every one of these words were inspired of God. We sometimes call it the, we call it, we refer to it as verbal plenary inspiration. And what we mean by that is that this is the spoken or revealed word of God and it's complete, all of it, plenary, all of it is the revealed will of God given by the Holy Spirit. Again, 2 Timothy three sixteen and Second Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. But there's something else that's interesting when we look at the Bible as a whole, another mark or another evidence, if you will, of Holy Spirit inspiration of the Bible, the Word of God, is the fact that from beginning to end, it tells one consistent story. One consistent story. The story of the Bible, we sometimes refer to it. And we want to spend some time thinking about this. What is the story of the Bible? You know, Again, the Bible is composed of 66 individual books and the question is well are, what what makes them why do we put them together what's the common thread or the commonality between all of these books are they 66 books that are all talking about things that are completely unrelated or is it the case that every one of these 66 books is just another book or really another chapter in the overall story of the bible and the answer is the latter all 66 of these books, every single word in the Bible, the Word of God, it's there for a reason. And it all, is a, it all plays a role in the overall story or narrative that the Bible tells. So we want to talk about what that is. First of all, let's define the word story. The word story, if you were to just open up a Webster's Dictionary and look at the definition of the word, the word story simply is an account of incidents or events. Now, it can be a false account, like a lie or a fairy tale or something like that, or it can be a true account. Sometimes we see a movie and it might say something like, uh, this movie is based on a true story or based on factual accounts or something like that. And that's what we're dealing with when we approach God's Word. We're not talking about fairy fairy tales or myths or legends. We're talking about a story which is an account of incidents or events that are absolutely true And so that's what we mean when we talk about the story of the Bible. What's the overall narrative, the overall point of God's Word that is a true account or a true story? Now, here's something that you need to keep in mind that we all do. In fact, it's pertinent to commit this to memory. The story of the Bible, the whole Bible, can be summarized in this statement. The salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. I'll say it again. The story or the point of the Bible is the salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And every word of this Bible that we hold in our hands from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation has to do with that thought. Salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So let's turn in our Bibles to the beginning, the book of Genesis, and let's begin working our way a little bit at a time through the story or the grand narrative of the Bible so that we can have some idea of what the Bible as a whole is all about. As we turn our attention to the beginning of Genesis, the first thing that we see in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is creation. We have the six days of creation in Genesis chapter 1, the seventh day in which God rested, and we have the creation of mankind, and how God created man, and God placed him in the garden, and God told him to work and to keep the garden, to tend to it, and how God gave man dominion over all of the animals. and. And uh, God created woman from man and brought them together and made the first family, the first married couple, God placed them in the garden and told them that um, they could eat of any tree of the garden except for one, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what we find in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God made the world. God made the animals. God made man. And God gave man a role, uh, a job, if you will. And then God also gave man his commands or his will. But then we get to Genesis chapter 3, and this is really where things began to to set up, if you will, for the rest of what's going to happen in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the Scripture tells us that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, "'Has God indeed said, "'You shall not eat of every tree of the garden?' And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, and she ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, And he ate. Now I want you to circle Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 in your notes or in your Bible and make a notation that this verse is the pivotal passage for mankind. And the reason we call it the pivotal passage for mankind is because up to this point, man uh, existed in perfect harmony or fellowship with his Creator. The Bible will tell us in Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 that sin separates us from God. And before Genesis 3, 6, man had not sinned. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse 12, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Before Genesis 3, 6, sin had not entered into the world, nor had death by sin. So that's why Genesis 3, 6 is the pivotal passage for man. Because in this passage, the Bible records for us the occasion in which mankind sinned. They violated the law of God... And as a result of that violation, as a result of that sin, they became separated from God. And that innocence, that fellowship, that perfect relationship of unity and harmony that existed between man and God had now been forfeit. Now the question is, what's God going to do about it? So we fast forward in Genesis chapter 3 and we make our way to Genesis 3.15 and you can circle this verse and make a notation that Genesis 3 and verse 15 is the pivotal passage for God. Now listen to what it says. Genesis 3:15. God is speaking to the serpent, and here's what he says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. Now the reason why this is the pivotal passage for God is because this is God's initial announcement to humankind that he has a plan in order to deal with the sin that entered into the world in Genesis 3 verse number 6 and bring reconciliation between God and between man. This verse, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, is the first messianic prophecy. When God says, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed, he is talking about Satan and he is talking about Christ Jesus. And when he says, he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel, he is talking about the fact that Jesus came into this world and he suffered and he died on the cross, but that he also rose again. And so therefore, the bruising of the heel, but the bruising or the crushing of the head. Jesus defeats death and he defeats Satan and he defeats the dominion and the power and the reign of sin and death in this world. And so Genesis 3 and verse 15 is a prophecy that is foreshadowing all of those events. Now, you can make a notation that Genesis 3 and verse 15 is essentially the thesis or the purpose passage for the rest of the Bible. And the reason is because from this point on, as we go from chapter to chapter and book to book, what we're looking at is we're looking at the plan of God that has been announced in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 unfolding a little bit at a time. Now, in the New Testament, in passages like Ephesians chapter 3 verses 9 to 11 and 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 to 12, we learn that uh, this plan that God has that he announces in Genesis 3.15, we learn that that plan is referred to in some places as a mystery or the mystery of God or mystery of godliness. And uh, the word mystery simply refers to information hidden in the mind of God that man cannot know until God chooses to reveal it. And so in passages like Ephesians chapter 3 and 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible will reveal that God has now revealed what that plan is. And again, as we read and study through the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi, we see little glimpses, little images here and there, announcements and prophecies here and there about what God is intending and planning to do. But then it all culminates in the cross of Jesus Christ and the the establishment of the church of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. And so the Apostle Paul and Peter and other writers of uh, Scripture inspired of God will say, this is the mystery. This is what God had in his mind from eternity, and, and he's revealed it to us. But he will also call it the eternal purpose of God in Ephesians 3 verse 9 to 11. Which means before God ever said, let there be light, before he ever created man, God knew what he was going to do. He had this plan in his mind. And so now he's letting mankind know in small glimpses what that plan is. So as we start and we study through God's Word, we see immediately the creation of mankind in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and now the fall of mankind because of sin in Genesis chapter 3, and the initial announcement by God of what God will do in order to deal with the sin of mankind. Remember how we summarize the story of the Bible. The salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. That is encapsulated in Genesis 3.15. The salvation of man by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to the glory of God. Now, from this point forward in the book of Genesis, we're going to see a process of elimination that begins to unfold. You'll notice in Genesis 3 and verse 15 that God simply says that the answer to sin is going to be the seed of woman. Question, what woman? How will we know who she is? How will we be able to identify her? Well, God begins to answer that question then, uh, again, in other passages in the book of Genesis. As we continue studying God's Word, we see them. So now we turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1, and in the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12, the first four verses, I should say, we are introduced to a man by the name of Abram. Listen to what God says in Genesis 12, verse 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now again, process of elimination. We learn in Genesis 3.15 that we're looking for the seed of woman. But now when we get to Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, or Abram, as his name is at this point, is introduced. And we begin to see that it's going to be the seed of woman who is a descendant of Abram or Abraham. You will notice that God tells Abram, I want you to leave your country and I want you to go to a place I'm going to show you. And he says, I am going to make you great, and I'm going to bless you. You are going to be a blessing. And notice the end of verse 3. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now later on in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Spirit, is going to refer back to these promises that God makes to Abraham. And he's going to tell us that the ultimate fulfillment of these promises is Jesus Christ who was of the seed of Abraham, who came and died on the cross for all mankind so that we might all be reconciled to God. Remember our sentence, The salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Later on, as we continue studying through the book of Genesis, the uh, Bible records that, that God uh, spoke to Abram on a number of different occasions. And he re-emphasized or reaffirmed the promise that he made to him in Genesis chapter 12. For example, in Genesis chapter 22, the Bible tells us that there is an occasion in which Abraham seeks to test, or excuse me, God seeks to test Abraham's faith. And so he commands Abraham to take his son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice on the altar, and Abraham obeys God. He began to go through the process and God stopped him when his hand is in the air preparing to strike his son and kill him as a sacrifice. And so God then provides a ram and he provides the sacrifice. But I want you to look with me at Genesis chapter 22 and I want you to notice what God says in Genesis 22 and verse 15 and following. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Genesis 22 and verse number 18. You could really summarize the book of Genesis in three verses. One of them is the verse we looked at a moment ago, Genesis 3:15. The second one is this one here, Genesis 22 and verse number 18. And the third one is Genesis 49 and verse number 10. So turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis 49 and verse number 10. And before we read that passage, let's say just a little bit about what transpires between Genesis 22:18 and Genesis 49:10. First of all, Abraham has a son whose name is Isaac. Isaac has a son whose name is Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons. In Genesis chapter 37, Jacob's sons sold their brother Joseph into slavery because they were jealous of him. And Joseph ultimately makes his way into Egypt. And while in Egypt, he gains the favor of Pharaoh. And ultimately, Pharaoh will promote him to being uh, second in charge of all the land, answerable only to Pharaoh. But as time would go on and as things would occur, a famine would overtake the land. And so Jacob's brothers would be sent by their father to uh, or excuse me Joseph's brothers would be sent by their father to Egypt in order to request food and rations to be able to make it through the famine and Joseph being in a position of power ultimately will bring his father and his brothers and all of their families to dwell in the land of Egypt So when we get to Genesis chapter 49, we find Jacob who is in Egypt and who is preparing to die. And he gathers his sons around him and he speaks a blessing, his last words to each of them. And I want you to notice what he says to Judah in Genesis chapter 49. Let's begin reading in verse 8 and we'll read down through verse 10. Genesis 49.8 says, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children will bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion and as a lion who will rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And unto him shall the obedience of the people be. Now, I want you to key in on Genesis 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. We're talking about royal rule. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh means the one who brings peace. And wouldn't you know that later on in Isaiah 9, verse 7, when the prophet Isaiah foretold the coming of Jesus Christ, he began to list a number of identifiers for Jesus Christ, and one of them is the Prince of Peace. Again, the story of the Bible, the salvation of man through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So, as the book of Genesis then draws to a close, Joseph dies or Jacob dies, and then Joseph dies, And so the children of Israel are all in Egypt and they are all thriving and they are all doing very well. And then the book of Exodus opens and we find that a Pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph. And then things began to change. So what have we seen so far as we're looking at the overall story, the overall narrative of the Bible, the salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ to the glory of God? In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have the fact that God has created the world and He's created man. And then in Genesis chapter 3, man sins and that sin separates him from God. And so now the question is, what will God do in order to deal with that problem? He announces in Genesis 3.15, the solution is coming through the seed of woman. And then in Genesis 22, 18, it's going to be of the seed or the lineage of Abraham. And then in Genesis 49 and verse number 10, it's going to be of the seed or the lineage of Judah. And the one who comes as the seed of woman is also going to be a reigning king or ruler. Now, as we keep going on, we'll see how God will add to this. And Lord willing, in our episodes of the podcast to follow, we'll continue to see the narrative or the story, the main point of God's Word began to unfold little by little and piece by piece. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We hope that you will come back and be with us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.